1: History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin.
0: Hello once again, welcome back to another episode of History in 5 Songs with Martin pop brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased as always to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Amazon Music, of course, that's the one I always cut and paste when I'm sharing on Facebook. Um, anyways, this is episode 223. I'm calling this Bands Rarely Copied, period, but not never. Um, so this is bands that are, uh, that are, you know, I, okay. So here's what happened. So we got into this big discussion. I kind of had this episode planned, but, uh, but copacetically, uh, we got into this big discussion on Facebook. I just kind of entered the fray. They were talking about, uh, Jethro Tull, uh, saying that, um, you know, oh, and, uh, Jethro Tull, big influence on a lot of bands. Uh, you know, uh, Steve Harris loves Jethro Tull and all this stuff. And I, I just, to get the ball rolling, I put in there. Jethro Tull never influenced anybody and then we got to this big debate about it and, and it was actually pretty cool um, you know the the idea uh, with this episode and the idea what I was I was arguing there is that uh, Jethro Tull is a big band they're loved by millions of people they're awesome and it's almost a compliment that nobody kind of dared to copy Jethro Tull and that was my point that you know even Steve Harris Iron Maiden does not sound like Jethro Tull and somebody brought up oh what about the little dance in the jig part in uh, Dance of Death, you know this massive catalog. There's a little part there, and I wrote back and said, "Look, it's it's Celtic. You know, if if you if you take every Celtic part of Iron Maiden and, and don't link it to Jethro Tull and just call it Celtic, I mean, what left is there uh, in Iron Maiden? So yeah, the fact that Steve Harris is a perfect example of this. The fact is, he loves Jethro Tull. They're a really cool band, um, but." Um, Iron Maiden's not going to copy them. Almost almost out of deference or 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 respect, but my point is is that not a lot of people uh, you know uh copy Jethro Tull and I said, name one and nobody can really name really anybody who copies Jethro Tull and I even went on before I started this episode and uh, and looked up and, uh, you know, uh, so here, here's a funny one. Somebody put in, I didn't even check this one myself but somebody put in Chat GPT said, Genesis, yes, King Crimson, Pink Floyd, Vandergast. obviously this is a dumb answer. Um, gentle giant and focus though getting close emerson lake palmer no rush no super tramp no um so basically nobody um and i remember somebody mentioned skyclad and that's kind of a fair game a little bit right um and i see i think this was in in reddit or chorus somebody said whoa what about the decemberists or dead soul tribe or magellan or opeth or psychotic waltz like no 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 right um so the idea here, and somebody else said, you don't have to have flute in your music to claim Jethro Tull's an influence. Well, you know what? Kind of helps. Uh, kind of helps, you know, if, if you really want to show that you were influenced by Jethro Tull. So that's the point here. Um, we're going to go through some examples of bands that are rarely copied, but not never. Um, because... In the honorable mention I'll mention a few things you know there, there's it could even be a whole another episode but the idea of bands that basically were never ever copied um, but you know it's hard to find anybody who doesn't show some influence by by somebody so even though these are rare ones that we're going to do here you could almost put them in the in the never um, the never category uh, so yeah so let's play our first selection here and we shall discuss this is Star Castle with Elliptical Seasons I... Right, this is from Star Castle, February 1976. Um, you know, in their next album, um, I can next, next two, I think, um, Uh, fountains of light 1977 citadel 1977 yeah the next two i believe are roy thomas baker produced a reel to reel is when they sort of changed but the idea here is that okay the episode's called bands rarely copied but not never the band here that is absolutely copied flagrantly is yes Um, and star castle uh you know you know how i pick these five examples quite often Uh, one of my rules is what is the first one that comes to mind so anytime this topic comes up star castle comes directly to mind um so yeah this album here i've got all my star castle cds out here you know they these are the uh the great uh rock candy uh, reissues um but yeah so this says lady of the lake elliptical seasons forces stargate sunfield to the Firewind, and nova right um so yeah the idea here is that um you know, a band can be so unique and cool and they need to be respected for their personal chemistry. And yes, and frankly, most of the prog bands, um, have so much going on that, that it looks really silly if you try to copy them. And it looks pretty silly when Starcastle, uh, tries to copy. Yes, because you can hear, even in that short clip, you can hear probably half a dozen tropes that are owned by yes. I mean, they're basically yes tropes. Um, So you really can't copy, yes. Um, Genesis is a funny one. I I suppose Genesis uh, has one main copyist, and that would be Early Days Marillion uh, and even some of the Fish catalog, I imagine, and you you can't help it. you know the vocals are kind of similar everything's similar there's a lot of keyboardy stuff as well here's a funny one that uh I in this department keeping it here for a second uh Flower Kings I think is is maybe the next closest I spent a lot of time talking to Royny Stolt um uh, you know writing bios for Magna Carta Music back in back in the day did a lot of that stuff wrote a lot of the bios for these these uh, neo prog bands uh but yeah that one's a little bit um somebody brought up either in the reddit or the quora uh or a, f- a Flash, which is like a post-Yes band, uh, because Peter Banks anyways. Sticks can sound a little bit like um like Yes at times, Ambrosia maybe. Um, and here's a funny one. Uh, somebody was doing a bit of a research project, and they were looking. This almost reminds me of like what we would do at Banger Films, so I suppose he was working on something like this. But he was looking for people who claimed Yes as an influence, Um, And you've got John Ferscanti from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Edge, Tyler Hawkins, Steve Stevens, Pat Smear, uh, James Murphy, Keith Levine. Now, none of these people, again, uh, to the respect and credit of yes, none of these people sound like yes. But I suppose, you know, we're getting into that definition of the word inspired versus influenced as well. We argued about this in the Facebook thing, too. It's like you can be inspired to be creative and go and create your own works by, by the massive creativity that you see in this band and then do nothing like them. And that's kind of what you have happening here. We got the Flaming Lips. We got Rush, Steve Harris again, De La Soul, Mars Volta, Toole, Les Claypool, Matthew Sweet, Susanna Hoffs, Bob Stinson from The Replacements, believe it or not, Um, Todd Rundgren, Mike Mills from REM, believe it or not, Stone Gossard, Pearl Jam, uh, and and Genesis, I suppose. A little bit, right? Um, So, yeah, kind of interesting how... um, Uh, Again, uh, we're we're building a point that these are bands rarely copied, but not never, um, and we're going to give you kind of flagrant. Uh, flagrant examples of that, and Star Castle is uh, the first one. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back.
1: Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the Headphone Pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons,
0: All right, back again here. History in Five Songs, episode 223. Bands rarely copied, but not never. Take a listen to this. This is Blue Oyster Cult with Baby Ice Dog. All right, well, I had a whole um, pretty cool Contrarians episode, I thought, on our YouTube channel, The Contrarians, uh, where I was uh, basically saying that um, the only band ever in the history of mankind uh, to copy Alice Cooper, the original Alice Cooper band, is, voila, early Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult... uh, supported Alice Cooper early on. They were greatly influenced by them. They loved what they were seeing. But lo and behold, um, the sound of those first uh, three black-and-white era uh, albums before you get to On Your Feet or On Your Knees, the Double Live album, uh, are really the only records, uh, and I, I, like I said, I did a whole episode on this, but they're the only records, and I found it super interesting um, when I sort of had this thought pop into my head, uh, that sound like... Um, love it to death so the third alice cooper album love it to death killer schools out billion dollar babies muscle of love basically right um so this uh baby ice dog this is from uh tyranny mutation 1973 so by 1973 uh alice cooper is actually uh on its last legs as a band and uh, alice is going to come back as a solo act with uh with welcome to my nightmare but um I wanted to put this one in here because it brings up the point um, to get a little meta on you. Um, there's a little bit of an influence by a band here and in Alice Cooper that is a band that they broke the mold and nobody can copy fully, and that's The Doors. Um, so you definitely hear uh, The Doors in BOC and Alice Cooper. Um, it's in kind of the spookiness, the chord changes, some of the uh, you know old school organ work uh, more so in BOC, not particularly in anybody's vocals. Um, the darkness of the lyrics, perhaps, uh, the trapsiness of the drums, um, you know, very kind of mid-rangey, not very well recorded everybody, uh, all three of these bands, frankly. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So so the shared influence uh, here uh, is The Doors, but Bloister Cult is influenced wholesale, I think, uh, by Love It to Death and Killer Era, uh, essentially um, Alice Cooper. And, uh, you know, just to take The Doors thing a little further, uh, you know, later on, we've got The Tea Party, which is a hilarious but still awesome, awesome uh, pastiche merger of Led Zeppelin and The Doors. Um, You've got Jeff Martin, who kind of looks like Jim Morrison and sings like Jim Morrison. Then you've got this very Zeppelin-esque world music sound, which is really cool. But again, it's just kind of driving home the point. They aren't particularly or Alice Cooper-influenced, but they are Doors-influenced. And then to drive the point home a little more about The Doors, um, you know, I looked up I looked up for all of these just to see, am I am I crazy with this concept? And I basically proved myself right. But uh, The Doors, you go like 10 bands were influenced by The Doors. Every single one of them, none of them really sound like The Doors. You've got Iggy Pop, you've got Echo and the Bunnymen, Joy Division, Patti Smith, The Cult, uh, I think Gillen is influenced by the Doors with the with the great Colin Towns keyboard work that you get in there, kind of very Ray Manzarek. Uh, but that's the only thing about them. And Susie and the Banshees, and even Billy Idol, right? So you get you you get guys that occasionally are perhaps a little more influenced by Jim Morrison, but nobody's influenced by the Doors because nobody's going to be that stupid to make music that creepy and weird and crazy, right? Um, so so yeah, so there's a there's a, a a meta link to the Doors through Blue Oyster Cult and. Uh, and Alice Cooper in that one uh, let's take a listen to our third selection here uh, again remember the theme is bands rarely copied but not never this is spider with the morning after the night before Be Okay, so the idea here, this is from Rough Justice 1984. This is a band uh, that is uh, part of the new wave of British heavy metal, but they're a little bit on the fringes. Why? Because they're slavish, slavish, slavish status quo uh clones kind of thing um now i you know frankly i went through this whole rough justice album this is like like a later one they had uh, rock and roll gypsies 82 that's even more like quo but at this point the new wave of british heavy metal sort of ending they're kind of doing some different things the production's getting a little more commercial better um, and when i go through this album i i definitely still hear a lot of status quo but i, I also hear a lot of slade Um, and people have have even linked slate up to status quo little status quo whatever uh, for you UK people but uh, yeah, that's the interesting thing here. So so the idea here, again, the premise is status quo, status quo is not a band that's very often covered, but not never, right? So they're rarely copied, but not never. Um, so this is one case of where they are. And the other one that might even be even closer to the bone is Vardis, right? Um, so Vardis with that great high-powered, um, but still boogie rock album, uh, the, the World's Insane, which is a live album on Logo 1981, they followed that up with Quo Vardis, Little popular but a studio album but again uh you've got a band uh vigilante in 86 you've got a band uh with uh steve zodiac there with the long white hair right um this is a band the other band that would dare to uh to be one of the very few bands uh, that definitely have a direct influence in another band. So you're getting you're getting a band that is rarely uh, rarely copied, but not never. Um, but you know, so it's it's an it's you know an obscure. It can be an obscure band, it can be a big band. And then uh, you know there are examples like we're showing with the show out there of uh, of a band who would dare to sound like that band. And they both stepped in it completely. I mean, every single review you ever read just said quote 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 all over the place. They, these all did right. Um, It's just so obvious with these ones. Um, Okay, let's move on. Let's listen to our fourth selection here. This is Tiles with Beneath the Surface. Catching a sign beyond the
1: window.
0: All right, so this is from Fence the Clear, 1997 Detroit band, Tiles. So what have we got going here? Let me get my uh, fully signed copy of uh, Window Dressing. Um, this was pretty cool. Fond memory of meeting these guys at a Banger Films uh, party we had for uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage. The Tiles guys were there, uh, or at least Chris Heron was there. Um, but Terry Brown, too. So so what's the story here? So Tiles Tiles is a rare, rare, rare example of a band because this gets a little meta too so they're a rare example of a band who sounds a lot like 90s period and forward rush Um, so talk about a band that's rarely, rarely copied. Rush, period, is not particularly copied. Um, We've talked about this many times. I'll be brief about it. But basically, as a band who invented progressive metal, nothing really sounds much like Rush. Uh, The first time where you see uh, influence rather than bands parallel to them that sound a little bit like Rush would be Queensryche, Fate's Warning, and then Dream Theater, right? Um, But really, uh, there's not a lot of super super duper a rush sound in there actually all three of those bands come to think of it, are quite a bit heavier than rush right um so yeah, the, the funny thing about Tiles is that they really do sound like a band that uh, is super um, you know, influenced by later era Rush with acoustic guitars and it's a little alternative and all that sort of stuff. The vocals are lower. Uh, so you got the the debut album, 94. You got Fence the Clear that this was from, 97. You got Presence of Mind. They like punning. So there's some Neil Peart punning in there. Window Dressing, uh, Fly Paper, and then 2016, Pretending to Run with all sorts of guest stars. On that, we got Mike Portnoy, uh, Ian Anderson, Adam Holtzman, Colin Edwin, um, yeah, Mike Stern, Terry. So here's the other thing: Terry Brown uh, it produces a lot of their stuff, and Hugh Syme does a lot of the artwork for a lot of their stuff. So they're they're really like the Baby Rush from Detroit, right? Uh, but but the funny, you know, amusing thing is they're like the Baby 90s Rush. Uh, and then there's the Why Why Not band, you know, Rush tribute band, but they do a bunch of their own stuff as well. You've got Light and Shade 2021, Resonance 29 the self-titled 2018 um and you play that stuff and absolutely same sort of thing maybe even more than tiles they sound like 90s rush um so we're um you know, uh, this episode is called bands rarely copied, but not never. Uh, this is like half of a band, uh, that we're talking about here, the, the second half of rush, uh, that we're talking about here. Uh, and again, um, you know, I, I thought, okay, can I, can I, can I find too many examples of this? You know, you try to look up something like this on the internet. Um, and and you quickly get to uh, all these big stars later on, you know, partially because of the movie we did, um, you know, probably has a lot to do with this narrative. But the likes of Pearl Jam and Coldplay and Primus and Tool and Rage Against the Machine, Smashing Pumpkins, you know, all these bands, um, you know, claim to be influenced by Rush. But basically, what they're done is they're 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 more like inspired by Rush. Again, we get to that uh, that definition where I'm trying to split it up, right? Inspired instead of influenced. Um, so so. So you know they go off and do their own thing but there's really nothing particularly Rush like about any of it um they're more inspired by the guys the the solidity of the band the learning to play getting your chops down being serious about your band being literary um so there are all these good things that they're picking up from Rush um but the direct influence, the direct sounding like them, is not there. So I thought it was pretty interesting to uh, to play you some tiles and go play some. Why, why not? You'll find that uh, amusing as well. Um, that there is this to it. Okay, let's move on to our fifth and final selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Highway Child with handing you over. Yeah. I bet
1: you're still-
0: All right. Any day we get to play some highway child is, uh, is pretty cool. Now you can go back and hear an expounded version of my number five example here and into a whole episode. Um, which I called The Next Death Leopard, right? So I'm giving you the short version of it here, uh, but it's just an excuse to play the amazing, amazing Storybook Heroes album from 1983. Go check it out. The whole thing's on Spotify. Um, and, uh, you know, I imagine for sure I, I would say the whole thing is on YouTube as well, but go check it out. What I love about this record, 1983, uh, Dutch band. Um, they sound like the supercharged, drunken, world beating, new wave of British heavy metal version of Def Leppard. Um, so the idea here is Def Leppard is a band rarely copied but not never um and an extra point to make with this one is that you're you're listening to a band that's much more conservative than most of the bands we're, we've talked about here um you know that don't have particularly a lot of crazy differences to them but you'll notice in this clip i played that uh that Def Leppard are one of the purveyors of the Geronimo riff right um that that Swedish frostcore sort of thing right um so you get a lot of that on uh, particularly high the High and Dry album and the Pyromania album um, and Highway Child are definitely you know you're you're feeling the influence here to their credit I mean this is an '83 album I, I don't I didn't look it up again but um, I don't believe they would have I, I don't think Pyromania was out or they would have you know I don't think they're influenced by Pyromania they're influenced by High and Dry um, but yeah this is just a killer album start to finish great songs not all of it you know totally deaf leopard or even much deaf leopard, but there are a good three, four songs where you hear that uh that really heroic Geronimo Riff uh thing, you know, Storm Storm the Bastille uh, kind of thing that you hear in that song uh there. The EP by these guys is awesome as well. Um, you know, I've talked about this as well. It's called For the Wild and Lonely. Uh they did a six track EP of all new material and it's got this really good uh I think I even featured this actually in the um the uh, the episode about electronic drums, but boy, do those electronic drums sound good, right? Um, yeah, because I because I love the um, the the drums sound on this. I don't know if it is electronic, but um, gorgeous, gorgeous electro drum sound and really cool songs again. I just love this band to death. Uh, they were they were really really cool. Um, Armand van der Steegel on vocals. Uh, the vocals is a big deal big part of it but so is everything else i mean it's just like i say the the absolute and then um when you mention these guys uh you have to mention um Heavy Petten, because they were an even more direct uh, feel. They're a Scottish band. They were even more directly sounding like they were trying to take that mantle of Def Leppard, or at least crowd into that space and say there's room for two Def Leppards, right? Produced by Brian May, Uh, but same kind of thing. Hey, me on vocals. Um, But yeah, same kind of thing. Uh, When I say that, I mean the Geronimo riffs, right? Um, And it's funny, uh, this is going a little off topic, but uh, you always think of the H bands, you know, Um, these two, but also always a uh, Helen back comes up and they're an example of this idea bands rarely copy but not never they happen to be the baby van halen so very few bands would dare trying to particularly copy van halen i can think of some bands when you have chops at all positions might be inspired by it and there's kind of a similarity but no one really sounds like van halen no one dared ever really sound like eddie van halen that's for sure um so the h bands you know and and over here we've got in canada we've got our our helixes and hellcats and uh who the uh, who is who's the other one um, oh, there's a few different ones uh, but anyways uh, yeah we, we have our, our bunch of those as well but uh, yeah I, I thought that's kind of fun you've got uh, you've got you, you know bringing Helen back into the H bands and then back to the deaf Leopard. the other big one obviously is Tesla. And it's funny. I So I, I wanted to play you Highway Child, but I had it all queued up and the timing all figured out for a Tesla song called Taste Like from Shock. And then I thought, I don't want to celebrate this stupid record. Um, I, that that album is is poppy and, and parts of it, like that really, really annoying, offensive song, Taste Like, sounds like modern day line dancing Def Leppard. Um, so the funny thing about Tesla, it, it's pathetic actually, uh, is that you know, in the early days, which is actually really late. I mean, it's way later than than, uh, than um, Highway Child and Heavy Petten. But in the early days, they sounded like a, uh, a really good quality hair metal version of Def Leppard. And I was like, yeah, give me more of this, please. I loved Tesla back then. Uh, but then, believe you know, they, they go on tour with Def Leppard and it just starts getting ridiculous. And then you get up to this um, Shock album from 2019 and they're almost like copying... Um, Def Leppard XXX at that point um so you know I I should probably not go into this in a huge way because like I say there is a whole episode about this as well but yeah that's just a crazy story um so yeah that's our that's our fifth one I wanted to mention a few honorable mentions um I want to mention uh, a couple things William Walker helped me with this as well I I did I when I came up with the idea to do this episode I told him here's what I got so far what do you got and he wrote me back some and some interesting comments come from that but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute um the ones I thought that, um, that I feel like broke the mold um, that I I can't really think of too many bands that have copied them are Emerson Lake like most of the prog bands right but Emerson Lake and Palmer I don't really feel Sticks was followed up on in a big way by anybody Cheap Trick nobody dared to do that sort of thing because um, that's complex right that's the whole point of this episode it's got the, the two funny guys and the two pinup guys and it's got this pop sound like a like a hard charging power pop Beatles um, The Who you can never duplicate The Who you could never duplicate the Rolling Stones um, but um, there is a little kind of Beatles family out there through all of time because the Beatles were so huge but it's funny that you've got these other two bands that were also super huge and nobody there's there's, you know you just you just can't take those four Who guys and and you know legitimately try to come up with a band that feels like a copy band of the Who. There are Who-esque qualities that I've often talked about to bands like Van Halen and um, but uh but no uh and same with rolling stones they've got such a unique sound way more unique unique of a sound than the beatles right um that that like who would dare uh, try to do that um we did a whole episode called the motorhead family so you've got your motorhead and tank venom warfare but again few bands really tried to, uh, tried to, or dared to try to copy Motorhead. You talk about Jellyfish, you know, the only thing anybody can ever say about Jellyfish is that they, oh, they're inspired by Queen or influenced or whatever, Um, but they don't really sound like them. But the funny thing about Queen, and I thought this might have been a cool episode to do too, uh, you get, definitely you get some Queen influence, uh, but not all the time, full time in Extreme and even Slaughter and even New England. Uh, so to go back to, uh, you know, Pomp Rock 1979, but Extreme and Slaughter, kind of interesting. You get you get them doing a few Queen flourishes here and there. Um, another funny one is Black Star Riders, you know, but this is a follow-up band on Thin Lizzy, so we could do a whole thing on follow-up bands. Um, I've often talked about how, uh, I think this might have been brought up in the next uh, the next are uh, the Blank Deep Purple. Um, but anyways, yeah, the Blank Deep Purple episode. You got Legs Diamond and Vanadium from Italy who are a little bit Deep purpley. y um, Obviously, eye Heap coming up at the same time, but uh, in the new wave British Heavy Metal, you had White Spirit. Uh, Angel considered a little bit of the next Deep Purple. Um, Jimi Hendrix. Here's somebody who was rarely, rarely, who would dare try to do what Jimi Hendrix did. Well, a couple of guys did. Frank Marino did, Robin Trower did, uh, you know, both the Randy California later and the Randy Hansen uh, albums kind of do a little bit, but definitely more than anybody would be Frank Marino. And you even kind of hear it even in his vocals a little bit. Right. Um, Kiss is a funny one. Nobody dares to copy Kiss, but the only one I could think of who musically sounded like a, a version of Kiss would be Stars. Um, so William Walker brings up except Danton Van Eyes. Danton and Van Eyes were both. I'm just going to read what he says here. Were both led by Udo's younger brother Peter, and both bands sound laughably like except Peter sounded exactly like Udo, and the guitars sound exactly exactly like except the guitars. Here's a neat point he makes as well. ELO, because uh, I can't really think of bands that sound like ELO. He says Alan Parsons Project. And uh, yeah, f- fair fair job, William, for the win. Um, you know, definitely. Uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmery brings up Triumvirate. Okay. Kiss, Classic 78. So you can you can go to directly to tribute bands. And, you know, he grappled with that, and I grapple with that a little bit as well. Manowar, he mentions Brocus Helm, Wizard, Atlantean, Kodak, Stormwitch, Skeletor, Tyrant. Um, this is a funny one he brings up. Um Montrose. So Montrose is a band. I don't think anybody ever, you know, kind of went to that place because it's not even easy to find what that place is, whether that's the songs whether that's uh, Ronnie's guitar style, um, but he does he does mention, he says Dave uh, Manichetti's guitar riffing in Y&T and singing, so definitely the singing uh, match up to a very similar to both Ronnie and Sammy. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. He mentioned Zon uh, on Sticks and Rabbit on Sweet. I don't know if I would particularly agree with either of those. Your um, Eye Heap, uh, Black Bonzo, Blind Gall. Yeah, they, some of these for sure, even um, what whatchamacallit, Big Elf, right? Um Nightwing, uh, Man of Miracles air Sticks. So so yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Uh true man of miracles that song absolutely is a is a heap sort of pastiche thing so again uh good examples of bands uh what did i call this again uh bands rarely copied but not never uh he also mentions wishbone ash uh, ashbury and opens leaves it open for discussion he mentions gravedigger celtic frost Hawkwind, manila road diamond head angel witch running wild i don't know some of those are here and there um angel witch only had that one sound for one album and then they changed their sound. Hawkwind's kind of an interesting one um, I would say what you know there probably are some bands I'm unaware of uh, that go down that Hawkwind road but what I am aware of is Monster Magnet I think Monster Magnet kind of goes down that road a little bit um, so there you have it. Um, let, uh, let us know what you think in the, in the Facebook, uh, you know, head over to that Facebook page and, uh, and let's have a talk about this bands rarely copied, but not never. If you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi fi runs with no fee. Uh, apparently, uh, let's see, uh, uh, slash, uh, ko-fi.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. Um, this, uh, this week I would like to thank Joe Becht. Andy at Black Sugar Transmission. John Clark, Lee Clifford, Tim Derling, Monty Olson, augustin Garcia de Paredes. Philip Edward Phyllis, Mary Joe, Plews, very generous Mary, take a, take a long break, Steve Polari, and John Stuckey. Very cool. Um, and um, yeah, uh, as I'm saying this uh, at the end of September, my Kiss book is ahead of schedule. I should have them. Um, so all those orders people have been sending in, I will um, get those out probably middle of uh, of next week. But uh, yes, still have the Bluish Skull panel books doing well and the, um, the Who book. Still got a few of those. I think got about eight of those left. Uh, that's my Who Quadrophenia book, and still have the um, the Pink Floyd book and the Bowie as well. Um, so yeah, those big, uh, big, fancy, expensive ones in the old slip covers um, for your homework. You know what it is, of course. Uh, it's go play some Highway Child. Go play that whole album, Storybook Heroes. Go play that. Go play that EP as well. Amazing, amazing stuff.